All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the We're Talking Football podcast. I'm Weston. With me, as always, my right-hand man, Lou. Lou, another week in the books. We're here to discuss our Week 7 recap. Pretty interesting week this uh, this past week. So, as always, time to reflect on what transpired. It's Wednesday evening. Week 8 is less than 24 hours upon us at this point. Time to check your temperature. How are we feeling this evening, sir? Oh, I'm feeling great. This is the first time in a long time, bro, that uh, I enjoyed football this past weekend because the Chargers had to buy. So I actually just was able to sit on my fat ass and just watch some football and not have to worry, have any anxiety about, uh, you know, any games. So I just enjoyed it. So it was a great weekend for me. I'm I'm glad you enjoyed your bye week a little bit more than I was able to enjoy my I bye say, week. I don't think you I don't think you can say it the same, man. No, I couldn't. I, I was stressing throughout that week and the, the stress continues. But first, I need to apologize to you. I let us down last week and did not account for our, our wins and losses and our first ever true week of our, our new pick'em segment. So Lou, to mm-hmm. redeem myself, I'm I'm quite happy to say that I did not let us down this week. I went back. Through our picks that we made last week, and I'm happy to share how we fared and stacked up for week seven in the NFL season, in the 2021 NFL season. So I'm going to revisit this subject, but just to recap, you went eight and five. I went nine and four. Some highlights in this. You called the Panthers over the G-Men. I was way off, right? I said that no, was no, like, I called the G. I called oh, the excuse G-Man me, G Man over the Panthers. Forgive me, forgive me. You're 100 right. I said this was a get right game for the Panthers, and it was the absolute opposite. This was a get very wrong for the Panthers. Um, obvious by Daniel Jones doing his best hybrid Odell Beckham, David Tyree impression, catching passes. As your quarterback uh, out on the out on the flank, I almost put him as my offensive player of the week just because of the catch that he made. It was that spectacular. <laughs> um, I refrained from doing such, but I called the Titans over the Chiefs. Right, so that was my highlight pick of the of of the week. So a pretty even week. We'll keep. I'll keep track of this moving forward. Let's agree that we'll start the win loss record based on our performance in Week Seven, and we'll progress from there. And we have eleven more weeks to go. And we'll see how we stack up for the season. Sound good? And we'll keep a weekly, a weekly, we'll do this almost like NFL countdown, right? Like are the, the NFL, um, mm-hmm. NFL network, right? With Mooch and all those guys, we're just a running tally where we stand over the season. Sound fair? I don't know yet. I have to go back because we did make picks uh, week six. So if I did good week six, I'm going to lobby to incorporate the, the, my record there <laughs> into our, <laughs> into our, uh, weekly uh well then don't don't go back and listen to the audio go to youtube and watch the video so we can get our views up and i don't care if you fast forward to that portion of the segment but that's where i want you to do your calculation and if you fared better um let's talk about it see if we can incorporate it all right so as we always do let's begin with kind of our our hometown takes if you will bear with me my mic my wife, Mike went out on me for a second there. Um, let's begin with so our... We need, a, we, need a, hold on, we need a stack guy and an IT guy. A right stack now. guy <laughs> and an IT guy. This is getting wild. Uh, let's begin, as we always do, with our, our hometown takes. As you just mentioned, Chargers on a bye this week. Um, my 49ers were hosting the Colts on, on Sunday night football. 
So anything, I know it was a bye week. I think your bye week was a little bit more uneventful than, than my bye week uh, the previous week. So anything that you want to comment on that took place that you know behind the scenes through your week? Uh, nothing too much. I just, I will say, uh, in my opinion, they did a great job of getting healthier uh, this bye week. Uh, Nazir Adderley looks like he's playing uh, this weekend. Uh, same thing with Drew Tranquil. They missed those two uh, tremendously the week prior. In addition, in addition, they're getting uh, one of their defensive linemen back, Justin Jones. They need as much as help as they can get on that defensive front. So all those um, guys coming back are huge, uh, in my opinion. Uh, they also made some interesting acquisitions from a special team standpoint. Uh, Dustin Hopkins, the former uh, Washington football team kicker, they hired, uh, they signed him, got rid of their other kicker, Vizcaino, which was huge because he was god-awful. Uh, and lastly, they uh, signed Andre Roberts, who actually I think averages like six or seven yards more uh, per return than any of their kickers. I mean, any of their uh, return men that they currently have right now. So you can see they're trying to make changes to that special teams because their games are so close lately. It comes down sometimes to special teams and they need to have, if they can just have a mediocre special teams, uh, they will win way more games uh, than perhaps uh, if they didn't. So that's the difference they're trying to make. So that's, that's pretty much it. All right. Well, everything, anything is an improvement over your homeboy Vizcaino because just things were. Yeah. He's not my homeboy. He never was. No. Things were not going well. All right. So sounds like there's not much more. Speaking of not going well, Weston, uh, let's talk about your awful segue. Uh, yeah. Lou, I'm going to start with the, <laughs> I'm going to start with the good because there was good news is there, there wasn't much. Right. And then I will get into the avalanche opportunity. Yeah. Then I will give the, get into the avalanche of shit that transpired uh, shortly thereafter. So some of the positives, Elijah Mitchell, the six round rookie running back went 18 for 107 and a touchdown. What was crazy is he had 57 yards rushing on the first series, and that touchdown was on the first series, right? So scripted first 15 plays, everything looked and felt like it was going right. He actually had 69 yards on six total touches over the first two possessions, and then the running game just disappeared for a long time during this game. So, again, one of those things that baffles me is you're doing something so very, very well, and then you just seem to get away from it. And in a poor weather game, like, should you not be establishing the run? I just think that's like football 101, right? Like, if you don't have to throw the ball and you're running all over a team, continue with that trend. Uh, second thing here is Jalen Moore, fifth-round pick from Western Michigan. Got his first start at left tackle. Trent Williams was out for the game. Played really, really well. Only allowed two pressures, no sacks. So love it, right? So a positive sign, uh, you know, in regards to – Tackle depth. It's been a long, long time since Trent Williams has actually played 16 games in a season. So if you have a, a plug and play piece there that can hold up, or maybe that you, when you get rid of Mike McGlinchey, maybe some of you can slide to right tackle that has some, you know, getting some playing experience and has some positive vibes. Always an opportunity. You're not a McGlinchey fan? Um, I am in the run game. I'm not in the pass game. He gets manhandled in okay. the pass game, but neither here nor there. Okay. The, the the list of shit and bad is just too long to even incorporate that in, so that's why I've glossed over it this entire season, but it's not good. The play of Aziz Alshayer from Florida Atlantic, so a linebacker who's 
plug in is plugged in due to injuries to Dre Greenlaw. He's playing well, man. He's he's all over the field. Um, he had a fumble recovery that was initially ruled a pick, but they went back and actually changed it post play because it was in fact a fumble. The ball was deflected out of Wentz's hand um, prior to the the arm moving um, forward. But he's just playing really, really well. And that turnover was really opportune because it was as the Colts were driving, we're in the red zone and stopped them from, from progressing there. The other thing I liked is we were forcing turnovers. So we first a turnover on literally the first offensive play of the game for the Colts. Helped us actually get out to a 9 nothing lead. Uh, obviously, we saw how this game ended. But positively speaking, when I was sitting there watching this, like, all right, things are clicking. Do I think we left points on the board there? Yeah, you have the ball inside their own 30-yard line in that kind of weather game after missing an extra point. Like, you need to go down and you need to score a touchdown to, to balance things out. But not, not for nothing. Nine nothing in the first five and a half minutes of a football game in a poor weather game, you're feeling pretty confident that you're on the right track. And then the rest of the game transpired. So mm-hmm. to the bad. Lou, this offense is just god-awful. Like, I can't, I literally can't even explain it. We were more explosive with Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard at quarterback than we are right now with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. The, um, outside of that, the defensive pass interference continue to plague us. Big chunks of yards, putting the opposing offense in favorable positions, the defense in unfavorable positions week after week after week with this nonsense a couple of them are dude they're like ticky tacky some of these right some of them are glaring and and obvious but nonetheless they're happening what so with these pis the issue that i have is not what the other team is doing like offenses are taking shots they're taking shots at us deep kudos to the colts for taking shots in a game in terrible weather and them still coming to fruition in some capacity based on penalty yardage. Something that I wish my own team was doing to a depleted Indianapolis Colts secondary. You had Xavier Rhodes limp off the field in pregame and was still out there during the game. How are you not taking advantage of that? I just don't understand. Neither here nor there. Another week of the continued absence of Brandon Ayuk from this offense. But this time, Lou, I'm not blaming Brandon and I'm not buying into the, he's not prepared. He's regressing. I'm not subscribing to that. Cause during this game, I saw multiple instances of him running down the middle of the field, wide open, open putting defensive back on skates and the ball never gets to him. And it's not like Jimmy didn't have the time to throw. He had the time to throw. If you go back and watch this, it's just like Kyle called the home run. It was there. And the ball just wasn't delivered. It was never even released. I feel like Jimmy G's uh, suffering from a case of tunnel vision. Uh, he's going to uh, his, his first read no matter what almost. And if it's not there, I'm just going to check it down. Dude, I feel like you're literally looking at what I was about to say next. So this brings me to Jimmy. He just continues to hold the ball, continues to focus in on the number one option, and refuses to let the ball rip and take chances. He threw two picks in this game. They weren't him taking chances. They were stupid, inopportune throws that the defense knew where you were going with the football in the first place. He lost the fumble. The woes for number 10, they continue. But for whatever reason, Kyle continues to dial up his number. So here's my conspiracy theory. 
This leads me to believe that Trey Lance's knee injury is worse than the team has actually led on, and they're continuing to try to bide their time. So what we do know as fans is that Jimmy is the expected starter this week again against the Chicago Bears, which if Trey is healthy for the life of me, I, I no longer actually understand this. I know, I, I know everything. I was an advocate of this. In the ideal world, you had Jimmy healthy all year, played well, not great, well during the season, and you get the opportunity to essentially redshirt Trey for the entire year, who's two, almost two years removed from playing football in all, see, for all intents see, and purposes. I don't mean to cut you off, but please do. I don't think it's the injury. I don't. I don't mean. I don't think it's the injury that's causing. Um, I'm going to debunk your uh, your conspiracy theory here. I don't think it's the injury that's more serious than they're leading onto. I just feel that it's Shanahan not feeling comfortable enough with Lance's progression with his offense. And that's just my opinion. Obviously, I'm an outsider looking in. If he's doing so good in practice or so good in the film room, why wouldn't they put him in over Jimmy G? I just feel like he's not ready yet. And that's not such a crazy idea to think that because he's only played one game in how many years now? Uh, Two. Trey Lance. Yeah. It was a a small school, you know, North Dakota State. I know they're, you know, they're big for their conference or what have you. But it's not exactly like uh, one of the bigger conferences, the SEC or what have you. So you have to understand there is still – a huge learning curve. And I've said it before, quarterbacks like Burrow, Herbert, and some of the other uh, better quarterbacks coming out of college ruined it for this group of quarterbacks that just got drafted this year. With everyone's automatically, yeah. yeah, everyone's automatically thinking like that should be the bar. Yeah. And I don't expect um, that to be the bar. What I, and There is a lot of what you just said that is most likely true. Maybe it's because the, 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 the preconceived notion is that Kyle's offense is difficult to grasp and it does take time and it's a different brand of football. But then there's also the, Hey, we loved Trey because he played under center. He did some of these things, right? Like they ran him through the workout that was scripted to the 49. He loved Trey. (laughs) <laughs> I'm getting you all hot and bothered right now Bro, bro I'm fucking sweating right now um, Yeah, you look so mad I, I'm not mad, I'm not mad Because I did You did, right? Like, you did Yeah Yes, we did But the show had like Trey I, I, So I think he did, right? Because I do think that Kyle is still calling the shots, right? Like Jed York is an absent owner in the sense that of like, he's not making the decisions on who you're drafting. I think John Lynch was hand selected as a GM to be like, yo, you're going to go with my flow. Right. Um, Cause I think, I honestly think if, if Kyle Shanahan really, really, really wanted Mac Jones, that was the trigger he was going to pull. He's proven. He doesn't give a shit what anybody thinks, right? Like he's literally proven that he's going to do what he feels is best. So here's what it is. I agree with you, right? Like, Maybe he's not as impressive in year one with the playbook or progressing at practice. Totally get it. And that's, that's it's, okay. And it's plausible and that's okay. But you know how you get better at it? You get put in a situation, right? Like if you look at this year as sunken cost, let this man grow and, and learn 
and this goes this goes for both parties, right? Like let Trey learn with in-game experience and let Kyle understand what vibes best with Trey in-game experience. See, see that is one that's one uh, way to look at it. The other way, if you put someone in that's not 100% ready, you're also risking the maturation process of that individual. You're looking at your like your David Cars and you know uh, your Joey Harrington's, like people that were not ready to play and the redeemed the savior it had to start from day one and then pretty much and they fizzled out because of that yep. so i think I, I listen i don't know obviously uh i'm not a gm uh but i just don't think you you can put someone out there who's not ready to play okay so he, i mean that's did you watch opinion. sunday night's game yes i did is was there anything <laughs> about that game that tells you that jimmy garoppolo is ready to play He's a, uh, I agree, but he is the lesser of probably two evils right now. On paper. But what I see, and, and, and like, I wish yeah, I had you don't video care clips. If you mess, hold, on, hold on, you don't care if you mess up Jimmy G. You're going to care if you mess up, you know, Trey Lance. I mean, here you are, you have so much capital for him. Yeah. And, and, you don't want to destroy gonna... confidence. I totally get that. Exactly. I totally get that. But if Kyle is the mad genius that he is can you not simplify the game plan a little bit? Like, dude, look, bro, don't tell me Trey didn't hang with the, the Arizona Cardinals who were putting 40 up on people and we kept them to 17 and it was still a game, right? I'm, I'm just, let, hear me out, right? Like, let me, get, I, let me, yeah, go ahead. Okay, good. I was going to make a point. I'm a huge Kyle Shanahan fan, but is he doing a good job coaching this year? No. If anyone knows, hold on, if anyone knows bad coaching, it's this guy right here, a guy affiliated with the Chargers, right? That, you know, followed the Chargers. I mean, we've had North Turner, Mike McCoy, uh, <clears throat> uh, okay. What's Anthony Lynn. I, I, just, I, just, I did such a good job blocking him out. <laughs> so Anthony, so I, I know about bad coaching, all right? So I got, I got a couple of notes real quick. There were one on 11 on third down, four turnovers, seven penalties for 122 yards. That's a poorly coached team it has nothing to do with the players. Well, that's discipline. That's poorly coached right there as well. Now here's the chicken or egg uh, argument. Now, is it being poorly coached because of Shanahan or is it because he literally has no one to run his system? Uh, Jimmy G is not a fit for his offense. Lance is way too raw to uh, lead this team and to open up the playbook fully if he dumbs it down, it's still not being as effective as it was and explosive as it was. And then you have players that were highly touted, like Ayuk, not stepping up. So what's going on? Is it Shanahan being a poor coach or the circumstances forcing him to be a poor, poor coach? I think it's 50-50, dude. And I'm going to explain this because this is right. a top of that's top of mind to me. So this brings me to Kyle. So Obviously, if you're a 49ers fan, like the talk of the town right now is that this guy's lost his mojo. He's an awful coach. People are calling for his head, whatever it is. But here's the reality. A, that's not happening, right? Like, and I 100% do not support sacrificing Kyle Shanahan at this point. Not even a little bit, no matter how frustrated I am at this point in time. I still believe Kyle is a a great coach but even more importantly an elite play caller but clearly this year dictates 
otherwise. But to me, to your point, why? Like, why is this year like an outlier or different? And I think it comes to the fact that there is zero execution. And it starts at the most pos- prominent position under center. And I'm take the person's name out of it, right? Like, regardless the name, whatever the number, whatever it is, like it's just not executing, right? So, like, where's Kyle his best when things are grooving? Those scripted first 15, right? Like, or coming out of the second half, right? When you make your adjustments, it's just like, I see the game, I analyze the game, let's go. These are gonna work, and then they work. But then as the game progresses in the first half, in the second half, when there's no execution, right? Like, dude, you want to run the ball on first and second down? And you you don't block, you don't make the block, right? Or the running back doesn't pick the right hole, and all of a sudden it's third and eight, and everybody in the world knows you're passing the ball, and they know you're passing the ball with a quarterback who refuses to take shots down the field. You become controllable and containable, and teams know that. So I think where Kyle has fallen short this year is adjustments. And I think he's already like thinking four plays ahead, which is causing an issue because he's already, he's already anticipating what's going to go wrong and trying to get out of, get out of his own head. So I think again, Kyle Shanahan should be the head coach of this team. Kyle Shanahan to me is is a very good head coach. He's an even better play caller, but I do think, lack of execution is taking the game away from him. Like if you look at 2019, right. When this guy was on top of his game, everything just went right. Like everything just went right. Like he went 13 and three for the season. Everything went right. It's not going right right now. And he's got to figure that out. And he's got to figure that out with a tumultuous quarterback situation of who do I need to have in there? And there's the checks and balances game. I agree with you. Do mm-hmm. I want to destroy a 21-year-old kid's conf- confidence and make sure that he's never going to achieve his potential because he's scared to death to go out there? Or do I just want to shit on a 30-year-old quarterback who's, at this point, going to be a journeyman in, in the NFL? Um, Give me the but, 30-year-old, man. <laughs> so here's what this really – here, Here's yeah, what I, I think – help that when you guys in your division got a 7-0 team and a 6-1 team. Right, I, and totally agree, right? Like, the NFC West is the best. Like, we, we get that. But let's talk about the true reality, and let's get out of here, because I don't want to spend any more time on this at all. They're 2-4 and four, with four straight losses. I can argue the loss against Green Bay, the loss against Arizona, the loss against Seattle. Those are all, like, one-possession games. Like, you lost to a 6-1 and one football team with 37 seconds left on the clock. You lost to them with no time on the clock, but you were, you had the lead with 37 seconds left. Right. So like some things are going right, but execution, right? Like it down the edge, this game with the Colts was a, a one possession game. The entire game, it looks like two possessions by the end because they had a garbage time touchdown after things transpired. All good. I'm telling you, Lou, this season's over. I'm telling you the season's over. That's what my eyes tell me because I don't, I just think like the turmoil is going to be too much to surmount, but, and I don't think they're playing with any conviction, any urgency, but on paper, here's reality. There's still only one game out of the final wild card spot in the NFC with 11 games left in the season. So a lot can happen. And I think that's part of Kyle's, hesitancy to make the switch is like this is still attainable if i can just write the ship and get a couple wins here and a fluke injury there 
or a fluke whatever here, like playoffs are within sight. That, that's the difference between the, the NFC and the AFC right now, right? Is like there's not clear separation unless you're at the tippy top of the, of the NFC. So like right now, I do think Kyle stays with Jimmy. And one more loss, two more losses, I think we're going to see that change because I think even Kyle then will have to face reality that like, okay, if the season is lost and sunk, 2022 is going to go a whole lot better for me right now if I can get my my quarterback here playing in 2021 with no expectations. Like, hey, you don't have to take us to the playoffs. You don't have to do anything that. Just go out there and learn my game. Go out there and learn the offense. Go out there and get your groove. Go out there and find what's going to be successful for you. That bodes well for 2021. I don't want to talk about this team anymore. Like, I'm done, period. I don't uh, want to, okay, okay. I don't want to talk. Go on. I don't want to talk about them until after the Bears game next week. Are you okay with that? Yeah, it sounds like you're a little bit, it sounds like you're kind of freaking out here. So <laughs> let's segue in because you know me, I'm always freaking out, right? Like the, the world freaking is always out, man. Yeah, the world is always <laughs> coming to an end unless my team is showing signs of being 13 and three. Um, but I, I, final point actually is like fans need to stop thinking that this is the same 2019 team. It's not, it's, it's not, it's, it's, you have to find from a talent, stand, from a talent standpoint too. I, 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 it, it, I just don't, it's not the same roster. Like that's the obvious. It's not the same roster. The depth isn't there anymore. Um, Lost Buckner, Kim, Kim, uh, Kim law hasn't, He's about to go on. Right he's about now. to Alpha, go out on he's season about to be out for the year. Yeah, it's uh, you guys. You're talking about real quick. You're talking about you know you almost could have been four and two instead of two and four. But if you really look at it, devil's advocate, I'm a half, glass half empty guy. You know, being a Chargers fan, you guys almost blew it against the Lions. You, you beat it was an ugly win against Philadelphia. You we even could be zero six. six too. I, yeah, so it's totally got it. Which is an issue because you don't have first round picks next year or the year after. So, yeah, dude. And I won't even get into the talk of like New England called and offered a second for like, I'm not even getting into that because to me, that's all like I know people in, in Boston, right, that are diehard Patriot fans. I won't say I know people in Boston media, but I actually do know a few people in Boston media. And they'll tell you this guy, Seth Wickersham or whatever, is a sham. Um, so like, I don't put too much stock into those, those, yeah, rumors. I, can't, I don't, I don't believe, I yeah, can't I, believe I don't, that. I don't I put can't. anything into that. Like, I honestly don't think my, my, coming off an injury, they, stupid. They, yeah, coming off an injury and they really think that they're like, not that stupid, bro. Yeah, I don't, I agree. I agree. All right, I let's move on. Freaking out. Yeah. Who you are? You, I have two teams here, one positive, one negative. I'm going to let you lead in. Cause I've been doing a lot of the talking. What are you leading in with? I, I will start with a team, but the second one is not a team. So first, I'm going to talk about Broncos, the, uh, the Denver Broncos and their fans. The Bridgewater Drew Lock experiment officially RIP dead. Yeah, they thought they can build a competitive team by having the solid rushing attack and Aaron Rodgers 2022 baby. Yeah, that's what that's what they're hitching their their yeah. you know that their hopes to. But they thought they could, be, they could beat this uh, have a competitive team by like I said having that solid rushing attack having a great defense. We looked, we told, you know, when we covered this team, there was no holes on the team outside of the quarterback. It just hasn't been that way though. Their defense hasn't been as uh, solid due to injuries and what have you. Obviously the back end has been very good, but the front, the front seven, uh, not as solid as they probably would like to hope for. And they're in division with quarterbacks galore, perhaps the best division for quarterbacks. 
Herbert, Mahomes, and Carr. And they don't have one. It's, I, I'm telling you, I kind of think it's time for a rebuild out there in Denver. And if I'm Denver fans, I'm pretty pissed with this because it's like they sold their soul to Peyton Manning. And after that, they're stuck in purgatory for the last like six years. Yeah. <clears throat> so the, the only area I'll disagree with you on that is I don't think you need to implode this thing because you do have some young talent at some core positions, right? Like their receiving corps are young outside of Melvin Gordon, like Javante Williams, right? I mean, he's a rookie, right? So, and he's a pretty interesting piece and playing well. Um, I think their defensive backfield is not aging. You know, they're, they're young. No, I mean, yeah. Sertan's playing pretty well for a rookie. Um, you still got Simmons back there. Like, yeah, Shelby Harris is aging, but I love Shelby Harris. Von Miller is about to fall off a cliff. Um, I get all of that. So I don't think you need to implode it. I think this comes down to the majority of NFL teams' problems. If you don't have a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, it becomes really, really hard to compete. And, oh, by the Mm -hmm. way, you're competing in a division that has Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and even Derek Carr, right? Like, it's that's that's a tall order. I think the the people were fooled by the three and zero start, but forgetting that you played like the Jets and the Jaguars. You played the and three worst teams in the NFL. Um, was that all you wanted to say on the Broncos? That's it. That's all I got for the, the donkeys. I'm gonna start negative because I want to end positive, flowing into a, a, the following segment. So I'm, I'm gonna go with the Carolina Panthers. They started this season 3-0, feeling really good about their offseason decisions. But since then, this thing has legit just fallen off the rails. Four straight losses. To me, the Sam Darnold experiment might legitimately come to a screeching halt, getting benched at the end of the last game against the Giants. The one-win Giants who could not get out of their own way have not been in a competitive football game and they got smacked Lou like that's not good here are the other concerns where's DJ Moore been Robbie Anderson got himself a fat contract and has legitimately been non-existent if I go back two weeks in week six against the Vikings he had 13 targets for three receptions and 11 yards <laughs> 11 13 targets that amounted to 11 yards i just honestly think, I, think that, if I'm get, I personally think if i'm getting 13 targets in a game even though i'm a little long in the tooth right now i probably can get like 20 yards they're off 13 targets i'm feeling real confident that i'm, <laughs> I'm good for at least 35 off that right I just think this team has no identity. I think Matt Rule, a young head coach in the NFL, is just reeling, trying to figure out how to bring this to, thing together on the fly. But this is not good. help that their best offensive play, uh, player, uh, Christian McCaffrey, once again is out for extended period of time, back-to-back years. Dude, this is, so, this is the problem. He's a difference man. maker, but it's, it's been – it's been He I is, dude. Count on him anymore. But he plays that position. And that position says, when you get injured once, you get injured twice, and you get injured three times, and you get injured a fourth time. Like, 
if I'm the Carolina Panthers, like as much as I love, I mean, you're right. Christian McCaffrey is legitimately a difference maker because he does everything right. Catches the ball out of the backfield. He's a safety net for the quarterback. He runs between the tackles. He runs outside the tackles. I mean, he is a supreme talent. But what do we always say on this show here? We're talking football. Availability is the best ability. And I see zero availability. And, bro, last I checked, we go up in age. We don't go backwards in age. So injuries linger. They become more prevalent. They become more likely on a position that in a normal season, someone like Christian McCaffrey is going to get 300 to 400 touches. It's a lot of times being tackled. That's a lot of times getting thrown out of bounds and landing on a shoulder. Like it just, bro, it all adds up. And I don't know if they can count on him to be a 16, 17 game player ever again in the Carolina Panthers uniform. It's funny. Um, I'm going to fall on my sword here. I was a Sam Darnold uh, fan coming out of USC. Me too. Um, Me too. When he wasn't, when he wasn't successful against the Jets, I blame the Jets. It's coming to the, it's come to my realization that, He's just not good. So true. But don't make an excuse for him. Dude. I'm going to make an excuse. I, I, I love Darnold. I'm going to make an excuse for him because I think he's talented. But I think the this is your point about Trey Lance, right? Like someone like Sam Darnold, right? he was forced to play right away. And those ghosts of Christmas past. Mm-hmm. Don't go away. And I'm saying that tongue in cheek a little bit when he's literally telling you he's seen ghosts against the New England Patriots on the sideline. ESPN picked it up and had to do a whole apology and yada, 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 yada. The damage has been done and it's carried with him. But here's the reality, bro. Like, this is the reality. He went from one bad team to another bad team. Like, he didn't go to a team that has a ton of, like, he didn't go from quarterbacking the New York Jets to going down to, I don't know, I, listen, Tennessee. Or, I, I, you know what I mean? Like I agree, but he went to a talent with better talent. He went to a team with better talent, and it still has not amounted in a progression. I don't see any progression. I don't see him getting better from a completion percentage standpoint. I don't see him getting better from a yards per attempt standpoint. I don't see him getting better from anything. So that is that is where the problem I have with Darnold is that he's just not getting better, or it's very incremental if he is. And the Jets' offense compared to the Panthers' offense is night and day. Meaning the Jets' offense is way worse than the Panthers. They have, Panthers have some players on that offensive, but um, like I said, I'm out on. Him. Uh, you know, this is my. You know, this is he broke my heart. Jump and chip. All right, give me one more. How about Kyle Pitts fans? Okay. Hear me out. out. Okay. Hear me out. out. Atlanta fans were so upset that they didn't draft Justin Fields. They were. Not my boy, not our boy Dwayne down in North Carolina, who's an Atlanta Falcons (laughs) fan. He had me on the show. And he wanted Kyle Pitts. He wanted Kyle Pitts. So I know one oh, fan oh, that was in on Pitts. Shout out to Dwayne, man. Uh, so real quick. So they wanted a lot of the Atlanta Falcons fans wanted Justin Fields, uh, and they dra- ended up drafting Kyle Pitts. I love Kyle Pitts as a player, but I thought tight end. 
like really a difference maker at tight end. I thought that's that's kind of overly ambitious with that fourth pick. I know he's a unicorn. I get it. He's not just a tight end. So I understand that. I, he was probably one of my top three players in the draft. Um, because tight end, especially the first year, is so hard to be successful. But look what he's done out of the last three games. He's had 20 receptions for 332 yards and a touchdown. Did you know the last tight end to eclipse the 1,000-yard threshold? I might have told you this uh, earlier this year, but do you know who it was? The Like the last rookie tight end or the last? Yes. The last, yeah, sorry, yeah, I, yeah. Let me clarify. The last rookie tight end to, to uh, eclipse the 1,000-yard threshold. I'm just going to take a shot in the dark and I'm going to go to like okay. the 80s and say like Mark Bavaro. Mike Ditka. Ditka. Back in back in 1961, he had 1,000. Who would shows. win in a fight? Hurricane, a hurricane <laughs> or Ditka? <laughs> it depends if the hurricane's name was Ditka. Is Ditka. <laughs> so, um, all can aside, so that just shows you how hard it is to succeed as a rookie tight end, and he's been balling out, and he's on pace to become that second tight end to eclipse a thousand yards. And I know he's not just a tight end; they've been using him out uh, as a wide receiver too, and what have you. But like he's he's been a difference maker because they have they have very limited uh, skill options uh, on the Atlanta Falcons team. So he's been bailing out Matty Ice uh, these last three weeks. Yeah. I- I love everything he's doing so far. I'm, I'm super happy for him, right? Because I think there's a lot of scrutiny if you go in like the top 10 in the NFL draft and you are a tight end. But here's the difference, right? Like, is he really a tight end? No. Like, is he an inline blocking tight end? No. No, but with he's Jimmy a, Graham but he, or... But he's a mismatch Antonio Gates. And where, yeah, he, I mean, where he makes quarterbacks better is because of the position that he does line up in. He's not flanked out wide. He's in the slot. He's a little off the tackle. He hooks seven to 10 yards over the center, right? Like he's your, he's your safety net for the quarterback. And oh, by the way, when you get him the ball, he's just supremely athletic in comparison to the people who are responsible mm-hmm. for covering him in the first place. Dude, I'll tell you right now, he's had some success, a success uh, flanked out as a, like a, a wide receiver too. So he's not just in line at all. So let's call him what he is. He's just a supremely gifted, athletic, supersized wide receiver. He's an OW, bro. An offensive weapon. There's only one offensive weapon. That's Kyle Juszczyk. (laughs) All right. All right. Who's your next freaking out? All right. So positive. How about those Cincinnati Bengals? Whoa. Whoa, Lou, not just a win in the division against the Baltimore Ravens, but an impressive win. Ravens were rolling, and since he smacked them, smacked in their home at home, yeah, in Baltimore, yeah, smacked them. The Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase connection is for real. And Lou, you just talked about how Kyle Pitts was one of your top three draft prospects. I am documented. (laughs) I'm I'm documented. And in a show, in multiple shows, I had said that Jamar Chase was my number one prospect in the draft. 
This is true. And he's making me look pretty good. He's not making me look like a rocket scientist, but he is making me look pretty good so far. He is balling. Facts. Cincinnati Bengals are number one seed in the AFC right now. Seven weeks into the season, I get that. When was the last time the Bengal fans had opportunity? That's pretty yeah. impressive, though, that long in the, the season. In the AFC, right, which we've always well, said forget, right now. Yeah. Oh, Weston, don't forget the offseason chatter that we uh, that we all heard about the Bengals, how Joe Burrow was playing so uh, practicing so tentative, and he looked so scared to get hit, and Jamar Chase couldn't catch the ball because he couldn't see the white lines and what have you. And then the defense, you know, they traded away their, yep. their best pass rusher tra- for trade uh, for Lawson and got Hend- Hendrickson. Who's been uh, playing well. Is awful. He's been playing well, man. Very well. Very He's not well. flashing the plan. No. So everyone was killing them. And they drafted a wide receiver office over an offensive lineman. And seven weeks into the season, almost halfway into the first seed in the AFC, Problem for that, I'm loving the shakeup and the changes of the guards here. The the, uh, the traditional teams are no longer on top, and you really have these young and upcoming teams starting to. It's it's exciting. There there is definitely a renaissance or a rebirth uh, going on in the yep. NFL. It it. I mean, sorry, I didn't mean to steal your. No, you dude. I love it. There's parity in the NFL, and it shows you that if you build through the draft, and you make smart moves in free agency, you can change the guard. I, I would ask Bengal fans, like, when was the last time that you had an opportunity to be this excited? And I know under Marvin Lewis, you were playoff bound years and years and years and years in a row. But you always knew what the outcome was going to be. You were going to lose in the first round of the playoffs. And that very mm-hmm. well might happen. But the reality is this team just showed that they could go on the road and punch a contender right in the mouth and that's the difference right like they would normally lose this game during the regular season and then get into playoffs and then lose to this team again in the playoffs but what i love the most about it is it's been really fun to watch actually like they're exciting a very exciting team now there is a sobering reminder here and that sobering reminder is they did lose to the chicago bears in justin field's first start in the nfl right that that hasn't been going so well but that's why this is the NFL. Any given Sunday, anything can happen. But I'm impressed. I'm super impressed by the Cincinnati let's Bengals so far. Let's also not for let's also not forget Weston that um, they were this close of beating the Packers a couple of weeks back. They were the better team on that field too. I think uh, Green Bay just got lucky. Uh, the Packers should have lost to the Bengals. So miss field goals. Miss field goals. Miss field goals. Be. Yep. Yeah, five. Five. Yeah, they could have easily. Yeah, they could have easily been a, a have one more win under their belt. Yep. Just crazy to hear like Cincinnati Bengals, your number mm-hmm. one ranked team in the AFC right now, and you think of the other teams that are there. Good for them, man. Yeah, love no it. No hate here. Nope. All right, so let's get into on this topic. Let's get into our offensive and defensive performances of the week. I have a, quite a few for both, but I'm just looking at our clock right now. Maybe like two each for offense and defense. Do you want to start with defense or do you want mm-hmm. to start with offense? Uh, I'll start with uh, I'll start with offense. All right, go ahead. Uh, it's a good segue. How about that? This is a cheap way to do it, but that burrow to chase connection. So Burrow's funny, dude. For I, uh, I made 
I made them one player as well. So I love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about this? I'll talk about Burrow. You can talk about Chase. All right. All right. Burrow was 23 for 38 for 416 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. How did Chase do, Weston? He went eight for 201 and a TD. And, bro, that TD, if you watch back that play, he should have been tackled like four times, spun out of people, and then just pulled mm -hmm. away. And this goes back to what I said to him as a prospect. When the ball is in his hands, he's a running back. He's Run not a wide receiver. He runs through contact, and then he can pull away from you. Supremely talented. But I'm not wasting one of my names on this. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Real quick, who was my – I'm not sure if you remember. Who was my comp for Jamar Chase? Mm. He was a bigger Steve Smith, I said. Yeah. Steve Smith was yeah. a dog. A bigger Steve Smith. A dog. But too, so is Chase. I know. He They're runs dogs, angry. Bro. All right, you yeah. go for your guy. All right. You're up at the – go ahead. De Ernest Johnson from the Cleveland Browns in his second ever NFL start, his first uh, this year in a depleted Cleveland backfield. I was actually approached by this. I mentioned this on the last show where my brother-in-law was like, dude, do I play this guy? And I was like, no, I'm not even sure like who we like. I know who he is, but I'm not certain that like, Okay, no Nick Chubb. Like, do you really play a third string running back on a team? Like, there's a reason these people are third string. This dude's a starter for other teams the way he balled, bro. And I, now I know their offensive mm -hmm. line is talented. I totally get that. But he went 22 for 146. Dude, he went 22 for 146 and a touchdown. And he added two catches for 22 yards in his debut this season. Like, you got. Uh, Stefanski, the head coach over there, being like, well, shit, Chubb, hunt, get right, get healthy, because this dude, it, he's here to play, and he's fresh, and he's fresh, yep. and he's got legs. If I can buy two, three weeks out of him and then get my studs back healthy and, and let them refresh a little bit, that bodes really, really well for the Cleveland Browns. I agree, I agree. Give me another. My last offensive guy, yep, my last offensive guy, I feel like we're not doing a good job of showing Cooper Cup some love here. Oh, my God. He had another home game, game where he had 10 catches, 156 yards, and two touchdowns. He is, by the way, dangerously flirting with Calvin Johnson's 2012 year, where Johnson had uh, 1,964 yards receiving. And it's one of his seven games so far, and Cup has had 809 yards. Can you picture if somehow, someway, Cup, can break Johnson's receiving record. Dude, he might, and they got the team to do it, you know? I, Dude, he has over Andrew Yards seven games. Here's what I think is why it won't happen is because eventually teams and defensive coordinators are going to go, all right, Robert Woods has to beat me. Van Jefferson has to beat me. See, no, I don't think that's it. I think what happened, what really is going to uh, derail him, they're going to have like a spot locked up in the playoffs. And I don't think he's going to get as many rats. They're going to kind of, you know, yeah. you know rest their starters and stuff no. like that. I think, especially because there's only one bye week, right? So, like, there's only yeah. one team on a bye. When you're too good of a team, yeah. When you're too good of a team or too bad of a team, that's usually what stops you from getting those uh, those records. Because if you're too bad, pretty much, you know, um, <clears throat> there's no reason to risk it. And when you're too good, like, we have to save it for the playoffs. So. Yeah. All right. And who's your guy? 
All right. So I was really tempted to go Kyle Pitts here, but we already talked about him, gave him some love. So I'll go with my other guy. Mm-hmm. My other guy is Alvin Kamara. 20 rushes for 51 yards, not super impressive. 10 catches for 128 yards and a touchdown from your running back. Very impressive. He had 32 touches in that game. That's a lot for Alvin Kamara, right? You're used to a ton of production on 15 to 20 touches from this guy. Mm -hmm. But to me was the Saints, like that's the winning formula for the New Orleans Saints right now is you have to get Alvin Kamara involved. AK is, is your, you got, you're going, you're playing Tampa this week in a division game. You, if you have any expectations of winning that game, Alvin Kamara has to have another 30 touches. And I know people are like, oh, his size is this. He's not that type of back. Dude, you see the, the, the way this man is built? He is that type of back. He can do everything. He has the most supreme balance that I've ever seen from anybody. He's like a pinball. He just gets hit, bounces, bounces, bounces. He is so hard to bring to the ground, which benefits him because he doesn't take like, tremendous shots you know like when he gets injured and it's it's like he rolled his ankle because he was like flipping over somebody you know i'm, I'm being mm-hmm. facetious there but um it was it was nice to see alvin get back to alvin camara ways of a uh, 170 180 total yards get into the end zone do it both running and passing so my final guy would be alvin camara all right all right a little defensive right now do you Dude, I have so, I have quite a few here defensively, so I'm gonna let you go first. See, I it's so weird because I have a few, but I really I only want to really speak about one individual because I'm pretty uh pretty selective on my uh on my awards here. Uh, but I'm going to talk about Demario Davis. All right, all he right, ten, all right, all right. He had, he had ten tackles, four tackles for losses, two sacks, and a pass defense as a as a linebacker. And three QB hits. Off the ball linebacker. Yeah. So, Demario Davis, uh, in my opinion, was the best defensive player uh, this past week. Other people had okay games, good games, but uh, he's only – I'm only going to be talking about him. No one else really, in my opinion, uh, warrants another mention. All right. Well, I, I had Demario on my list, and I will add a caveat here that that one pass defensed could have been a pick six had he held on to mm-hmm. the ball. Like that's what he wanted in a ugly, but very competitive Monday night football game. So the guy that I want to, I have two guys that I, I want to talk about. Actually, I'm going to throw an honorable mention and I'm going to throw my honorable mention to the entire Tennessee Titan defense to hold the Kansas city chiefs to three total points. That's a team effort. Um, turnovers galore. They did everything they were supposed to. But I'm going to talk about players. Sam Hubbard from the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm-hmm. Five tackles, two and a half sacks, two tackles for a loss, a pass defense, and three QB hits. So we had two and a half sacks and three QB hits against Lamar Jackson. Yeah. How do you sack Lamar Jackson two and a half times by yourself? Like that in itself is pretty impressive. Since you don't want to talk about anybody else, I'm going to dive right into this other Go person. Ahead. Go ahead. Aziz Ojolari. Happy, mm-hmm. happy for the rook, right? Like finally getting some burn. 
he had five tackles. He had two and a half sacks, although sacking Sam Brad, uh, Sam Bradford, I almost called him Sam Bradford, Sam Darnold <laughs> two and a <laughs> half times versus sacking Lamar Jackson two and a half times is entirely different, but he had three tackles for a loss, four QB hits. To me, that's a big game from your second round draft pick. Um, and that's what the Giants were hoping for when they drafted this guy to begin with. Um, but anytime I see a stat line that says two plus sacks, you, you got to give it up for those individuals. Yeah, and I agree. And uh, Aziz has really had a good year so far. He's just he had that, uh, five and a half sacks of the year on pace for double digit sacks this year. Not bad for, for a them. rookie with bum knees, right? When they drafted him. All exactly. right. Lou, week eight's coming up. Mm-hmm. What are you watching? What are you looking for? Two things. Um, can the Rams cover a 14 point spread against the Texans? <laughs> that is like, because I look at the, the they covered the game, what was it, 16 against the. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Can they cover that 14 point spread against the Texans? None of the games really turned me on this week, uh, to be honest with you. Out, uh, other than that, I'm also having my eye out for player movements. You know, the uh, the trade deadline is fast approaching. And I'm hoping to see some movement um, this year more than in the years past. So those are two things I'm looking for this week. Unfortunately, Lou, this is the NFL, right? And trades don't often happen in season. And when they do happen in season, they're lesser named individuals. They're not necessarily mm-hmm. your, your top tier talent. A but girl I, can dream. A girl can dream, Weston. I get it. I'm not here to squash those dreams either. Like I'm always, I'm always tuned in to see like movement in some capacity who's buying who's selling Mm -hmm. because to me that tells you what coaches and gms think of their team that year um i got three games on the docket for me i think thursday i think thursday night i think tomorrow night packers versus cardinals you got six and one versus seven and oh um i don't often look forward to thursday night games but this is a battle at the top of the nfc and believe it or not a little less than halfway through the season this has playoff implicate implications this might dictate yeah, but I mean, who has the number one seed. And keep in mind, Lou, only one first round bye. Now that seven teams make the playoffs, and this win I, or loss feel, could dictate that. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I was excited until I found out that Adams is not going to play, Lazar is not going to play, JJ Watt. They just said it'll be out for the year uh, with the shoulder injury uh, that just came out like an hour ago. So it's losing. It lost a little of its luster, I would say. By star power, but there's still the energy. You still got to go play the game, right? And yeah. at the end of the day, this is still number one versus number 12. And let's see how that turns out. Um, the other game I'm looking at is the Cow- – one of the other games I'm looking at is Cowboys versus Vikings. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think the Vikings are much better than they are given credit for and that their record might say. That being said, I think a win for the Cowboys – is a huge statement for them, especially in primetime football on Sunday night, but might even be a bigger statement for the Vikings if they are able to win. And I think a a Cowboy loss could derail them a little bit. They'll still win their division because there's nobody competitive in their division, but another game that could just as easily have playoff implications to it. Yeah, I feel like um, the Cowboys lost both these Teams are good. Um, obviously, the Cowboys are the better team. But if they were to lose to the Vikings, I don't think that's 
like a, a clunk or a letdown game. It's just that the Vikings no, it's are a good team. Play. Vikings yeah. are a good team. Um, final piece is Bucks versus Saints. I love me some divisional matchups. Love it, love it, love it. Um, the Bucks revenge are game. so much. Yeah, revenge game. I think the Bucks are so, so much better on paper. So much better on paper. But division games are always tough. Mm-hmm. And the winner of this game would be sitting at the top of their division. So it has some sex appeal. It has some intrigue to me. I do think at the end of the day, the Bucks walk away with this game. But it is, like I said, division games are always harder than the other games on your schedule because not only do you see them twice a year, you see them twice a year every single year. And when there's not a ton of roster churn, it's now like I've seen them four times in the last two years, you know, like, so it, mm-hmm. it just become increasingly more difficult. All right. I agree. Do you want to do, you want to run through the schedule or you want to okay, run, run through the schedule? Okay. And we'll, and we'll tally. All right. Okay. Tomorrow night, Packers at Car- Cardinals. I think it's Cardinals. It's hard to go on. It's hard. Um, I haven't been overly impressed with the Packers lately. Um, yeah, they beat Washington, but it wasn't soundly, in my opinion. And they're going to be up Adams and Lazard. They're a little shorthand. They're going to West Coast. I'm going to give it to the Cardinals. I am so tempted to pick the Packers here because it's how often do teams go 8-0 and in a season, right? I think early last week, Tennessee proved I – mean, excuse me, Arizona proved that they're – they're flawed, like every NFL team. I know 31 to 5 would say that they weren't, but that game was a lot closer for a long time than the, the 31 to the 5 score. Uh, but I too am going Arizona Cardinals. But give them the home home nod and not having Devontae is huge. Like huge, huge. not having Devontae Adams. All right. Bengals at Jets. Stop it. Okay. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Um, Titans at Colts. I can't ride with the Titans. Uh, looks like Tannehill found his passing game back with AJ Brown coming back, uh, from uh, eating bad food. <laughs> I don't know what he yeah. ate. Yeah, the food poisoning, but I'm gonna say, I'll give me the Titans. I'm going Titans too, but I think this game is gonna be a lot closer than people would expect because the division game. I do, and, so. and Indies and has been playing better, dude. Wentz has been playing really well, actually, if you really break it down statistically, like from a turnover perspective. Um, I think the difference in this game is Derrick Henry late, ball control, those sort of things. So I think Tennessee wins this game. Rams at Texans. Next. I don't know if I can answer that. I'm just going to talk. Rams 14. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what you got. I know. Um, Steelers at Browns. This one's a tough one. Um, no, Mayfield. I think Bake. Eh, he was practicing today. Is Chubb out? Chubb's back. I'm going. Give me Browns. Where is it? it, it where is it? Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Give me Browns. Yeah. Eagles at Lions. Give me the Lions. Yeah, I mean, I, dude, me too. They get off the schneid this week. Uh, the Eagles have been not impressive. I think they're quickly learning that Jalen Hurts, while run. a great fantasy football quarterback, is 
probably not the long-term answer at professional quarterback. Dude, their offense is like the most – there's no motion. They don't run the ball. It's just straight – it's just awful. It's not good. It's not good. I think the Lions get off the schneid. They've been playing everybody competitive. They've been playing everybody well. Rams game aside, like totally different. Even that game was competitive. I mean, they pulled out all the stops, dude. They stole possessions, onside kicks, yeah, things like that. Yeah. Two fake punts. They'll do it again this week. They got nothing to lose. And I think against a two and five Eagles team, that that's doable. All right. Niners at Bears. Give me the Niners. I just so I am picking the Niners, and that's not a homer pick because you know last week I picked the Colts. I did pick the Colts to beat the 49ers. Um, and I was confident in that. I just 49ers have to win this football game. And I think they're gonna go establish the run and Chicago's I think the world of Justin Fields, but their offense is like they're just learning on the fly. They're just learning on the fly. They're running, the, no they're running the football real it. well. What's that? Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's Cleo Mack or uh, Keem Hicks. And I think their head Keel coach is, is on is in COVID protocol too. So um, I'm going Niners. No, if that's true, huh? Is that true? Because I'll change my pick to the Bears. <laughs> Nagy's out. <laughs> Maybe Nagy's out. That, I I believe that's true. I don't know how like. There's different rules, like if you're vaccinated, like what you have to go through versus if what you're un if you're unvaccinated. And yeah. I don't know the the truth behind that, but Nagy was in the protocol. All kidding aside, if they had Mac and Hicks and Nagy was out, I would have went Bears. But you're sticking with the 49ers, right? Because it's being documented. Stick with the Niners, these, yeah. Okay, I'm sticking with the Niners. Yeah. Pan- Panthers at Falcons. I think we've, well, give me the Falcons. Bro, me too. I I don't. I, I'm I trying to find agree, a game that I, I really want to pick opposite of you. Um, hopefully we can find one here in a minute. So, uh, all right. So we're both Falcons. Dolphins at Bills. 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 Yeah. Pats at Chargers. I'm going to say the Pats. Um, for numerous reasons. Physical run, rushing team. Complicated defense. Confused Herbert last week, uh, last year. And Herbert had trouble uh, uh, deciphering uh, uh, deciphering the the Ravens defense, which is very complicated. Uh, he did a lot of overthinking, and I think that's going to happen the same way. So, <clears throat> even though they improve with their special teams, I still think I still think it's the Patriots. All right, I'm going Chargers, and I think because they had two weeks to prepare for this, uh, that's to me the that means nothing. <laughs> it, it means it means something to me because of all the things that you just said, right? Like they have tape and tape of last year and where they may have confused Herbert and were able to throw. And I know Belichick's a genius on the defensive side of the ball. And I don't believe for a second that his son is actually the defensive coordinator, right? Like it's still Bill Belichick, who is the general manager, head coach and defensive coordinator. Um, But I just, I just think the chargers are way more talented than the new England Patriots. And I'll I'll take the better spread of getting three points for being the favorite. I think the Chargers win this football game. Okay. Jaguars at Seahawks. Give me Jaguars. From I'm going Jags too. I just think without Russell, this is it's Geno ain't it. Yeah, yeah. It's, 
it's that's all this is. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm taking the Jags too. Washington football team at the Denver Broncos. Give me Denver. All right, I'm taking Washington here. Okay. I think this is a. Yeah, we're switching it up. Okay. Yeah, I think this is an right oppor- I'm a, I think this is an opportunity for Washington's defense to get right. Uh, just against poor quarterback play. I think Denver is more talented. I just think this is a game. This is an opportunity for them, and I think they'll take advantage of it. Bucks at six. I just think that, huh, real quick, I just yep. think uh, Taylor Heineke, he's due for a clunker. He's been playing pretty well. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I, I think, do- you know what, this is one of those games like, oh, that's why he's a backup. Yeah. And that, that's why I think I'm taking Denver. All right. Well, I'm going. I'm going the. I'm going the football. Don't forget, team. they also have extend. They have extended, um, uh, you know, a couple extra days off Denver because they played a little Thursday night game. Yep. Uh, it's at home too, so give me Denver. Going Washington. Bucks at Saints. Bucks. Yeah, I'm. I'm Bucks James, James, I have no faith in Jameis. Cowboys at Vikings. See, this is interesting, and let me tell you why this is interesting. I am a little concerned with that calf injury. Uh, for Dak Prescott. They did and have the buy. I'm a little fearful. I get it. I am a little fearful, though. He's, he's still not 100%. Who's home? Cowboys? Vikings. I'm going Vikings. I'm telling you right now, I'm going Vikings. I, I will go Cowboys if Dak plays. So I'm going Cowboys. I'm going Vikings, even if Dak plays. And then the Monday night, G-Men at the Chiefs. Chiefs. No, I'm taking they, the Chiefs. They beat bad teams. Yeah, they beat bad teams. Yeah. Um, I think the Giants could give them a game um, just because that defense in Kansas City is piss poor right now. So I think I think every game is going to be – has the potential to be a challenge for them, but – Mm-hmm. I just don't I just don't see them losing at home after the way they were just embarrassed by Tennessee. I just don't see that happening. Yeah. All right. Agree. Let's get into our favorite segment, how we love to wrap things up here on the We're Talking Football podcast. Um, so if you stay tuned this long, this is what you were here for. You're looking for some fantasy advice from the fantasy experts here at We're Talking Football. So, Lou, you know, I always set the stage. I always set the rules. Don't tell me that I should play. Alvin Kamara. Don't tell me I should play fill in the blank, right? Like tell me who I should play. That is not on everybody's radar. Who's a, a must insert this week. That's you guys. And I'll go real quick. Um, you know, when we talked about our fantasy football show, I said, I was very high in James white. I felt like uh, he was going to get a lot of involved in the passing game with new England. He, 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 he was playing well prior to a uh, season end injury. And I actually think Brandon Bolden will play well this week. For the reason being, the coaching staff does not trust Stevenson because of his inability to pass protect. That has been a huge issue. And that's why he's in healthy scratches lately because he just can't understand who to cover, who to uh, pick up. So they're missing that James White-esque type of player. And I feel like Bolden is going to be starting filling out that role of that RB2 in New England. And it, I think it would be a great play against the Chargers who are allergic to tackling running backs. So uh, give me Brandon Bolden. Allergic. And my, sec- 
Yeah, and my second guy is Robert Tunyon. Uh, I know he's been disappointed this year, but hear me out. No Adams. Yep. No Lizard. And last week, he did catch four passes on five targets for 63 yards and a touchdown. Maybe that was coming, that was like his coming out game. You know, I'm maybe just, it's the start of the stretch. I'm just Don't disappointed. Ball there. No, I'm just disappointed because I was so high on Tunyon because I think he's good. And I just don't like, I, I get so. it. Like, when you have a receiver like Devontae Adams, you force the issue. Like you have, this is what I was talking to you about last week with Keenan Allen. Like when you have a player of that caliber, you force the issue. It's what you do. Um, and they force the issue to number 17 all game long. And I think mm-hmm. that's stolen from, from Tunyon. And I think very highly of him as a football player. So I agree, right? Like all the stars align for him this week on paper to be good. I'll give you a three. If you're in a quarterback conundrum, Daniel Jones versus the Chiefs for multiple weeks. I've just been finding an offensive player who's going against the Chiefs and plugging them in because their defense is just terrible. It's it's like, dude, it's so lackluster. It's crazy. Like, dude, it's legitimate to think that the Kansas City Chiefs could potentially miss the playoffs this year. That's how detrimental this defense is to them. And they're slipping a little bit on offense. They're not the 40 point a game Kansas city chiefs that you remember. And I, there's plenty of season to get right. I get all of that. But right now, if this defense continues to play the way that they are, that's an opportunity for you running back Elijah Mitchell from the 49ers two healthy starts, two games over hundred yards, love what he's doing. And San Francisco, I assure you is going to do their damnedest to establish the run against Chicago and the running game goes through Elijah Mitchell. If you're in a bind for a running back, you might even find an opportunity to start Devontae Booker. So if you can't tell a common theme with me, I'm just stacking the against against this Kansas City Chiefs defense because I have zero faith and zero belief in it. And then my final, my actual final guy is Gerald Everett at tight end. So if you have like George Kittle on IR or Logan Thomas on IR, and that's what your tight end situation looks like, to me, this is just all about matchup. Um, and the Jaguars are literally allowing the the fo- fourth most points to tight ends this, this season. So it's just a favorable matchup. And if I'm the Jaguars, knowing that it's Geno Smith, at quarterback, I'm going to throw shells around Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. They're both getting double teamed. And I'm going to say, run the ball against me or make your tight end beat me. And I think this is an opportunity for somebody like Gerald Everett, who's a plug and play tight end for you if he gets six seven eight targets in this game that's that's potentially a win for you mm-hmm. all right all right so that's that's week seven in the books looking forward to what week eight brings us lou like i always do rely on you to tell the folks where they can follow us follow us on instagram and twitter at wtf pod nfl and I've, I've been saying it for weeks now, but we're doing our darndest to, to grow our, our YouTube following. Uh, we're, we're getting better at editing, editing video content. We're getting more consistent and ensuring that these videos are not just audio, rec- excuse me, that these sessions are not just audio recordings. Uh, we're getting some video out there. So if you prefer, go to YouTube, check us out at We're Talking Football. So W-E apostrophe R-E talking football hit that subscribe button don't be shy tell your friends lou until next week my friend always a pleasure good bid you do